We begin the current daven, Sechtes Baba Kama, Dav Tzadi. We begin four lines down from the top of the Yomit. The Gemara continues the discussion with the previous stuff. That is, in related to the topic of the Mishnah, the Gemara was discussing the relationship that a husband has in his wife's Nechzei Miluk. That is, a wife generally comes into the marriage with two types of properties. One is Nechzei Tzern Barzel, which is totally the husband's domain. He has to give it back exactly as he got it. It's his responsibility, but he has total rights to it. Then there's Nechzei Miluk, which is really the wife's. But the husband has what's called Kenyan payers. He has the rights to the utility, to the payers, to the produce of that, of the, of the let's say if it's land, it's payers. Now, the halacha that was being discussed is that there's another additional component to that halacha, which is called Takanas Usha. That in Usha, the best was Masakin, that not only does he have just Kenyan payers, that actually he's like a consumer. He's like a lekech, as if he bought it. Now, what that means is, although that when they're married, the wife has the property and the, the husband only has the payers, but in the case of, let's say, when she dies before he dies, and he inherits her, he could actually go to the people that bought her land from her when they were married and say, wait a second, you bought it from her, but I am I'm the first one that bought it. I can go ahead and take it from them. That was Takana Susha. Now, the Gemara said, Similarly, Takanasusha is a machlegistanaim. Because we had one brace that said regarding this an uh, Evid, that's Evde Milug, meaning it was a uh, from Nikse Milug, which is what the woman owns, the, the property herself owns the body of the, of the slave. So let's say if she knocks out his eye or tooth, which usually frees the Evid Kanani by the master, one Bryce said that if the woman does it to the slave, it'll free him. The other Bryce says it will not free him. So the Gemara said, seemingly what the machlekis is regarding if you hold of Takanasusha. If you hold of Takanis Usha, so then the husband is the one that has basically physical rights in the slave. So therefore the woman's not the total owner, and therefore if she's going to knock out his eye, it's not going to free him. Versus the other one, they did not hold of Takanis Usha, and therefore the husband only has Kenyan Paris, and seemingly everyone holds Kenyan Paris, Lavka Kenyan Guf. So the one that owns the body is the woman, and therefore if she knocks out his eye, like a regular master, it's going to free him. So the Gemara had two approaches to say no. It's not necessarily that they're disagreeing regarding if they hold of Takanas Usha or not. One approach was that they both hold of Takanas Usha. One Bryce was talking about before the Takana and the other one's talking about after the Takana. The one before was saying that the woman knocks out the eye will free him. The other one that says talking about afterwards, then the woman will not be able to free him because she doesn't own everything of the body now because the husband is almost like the consumer. A second approach was that no, everybody holds of the Takanas Usha and is talking about after the Takana. But the one that holds that if the woman knocks out the eye, it will free him, although the husband has this strong shibud, is because like Rabbi's principle, that shikhrur, which is when she knocks out his eye, she's freeing him, is mafkir from the shibud, it removes from the shibud. Which is more explained that the other b'risa would agree to Rabbi's principle, but just holds, he doesn't just have any shibud, it's a very, very strong shibud, almost like a lekeh, like a consumer, and when someone buys something, then hektish or chametz or shikhrur will not remove that purchase that that person already did, and that's why that price held that, that the woman knock out the eye, even as a shikha will not remove the shibut of the husband. That was the second approach. Now that's where we continue with the If you want, you could say a third approach. In other words, that it doesn't necessarily have to mean that they're disagreeing regarding if we hold of Takanas Usha or not. Where the first two approaches were saying that they both agree to Takanas Usha, this third approach says, Dukula Alma, that both Bryces hold, that both of these Bryces agree that there is no Takanas of Usha. And moreover, the Shibut of the husband is therefore like regular Kenyan Paris that anyone has. Now, and that what they're disagreeing about is how strong are regular Kenyan Paris. No takanasusha. He's not like a likeach. He just has the rights to, to the utility. Now, what halachic status does a Kenyan Paris have? 
is it like ownership of the of the body itself? Because although you don't own the body, but for all practical purposes, if all the utility is yours, it's like you own the body. If that if you hold Kenya Pierce goof dummy, then the woman, if she knocks out his I will not free him. Because she's not the owner. The husband is, but he's not the total owner because he doesn't really own the body. Therefore, if either one knocks out the eye, will not free him. The price to hell that if the woman knocks out the eye will free him is because that one holds Kenya Pierce Lafki Kenya Goof dummy. So the husband doesn't have any rights in the body. The whole ownership of the of the body, of the actual slave, is the woman, and therefore if she knocks out his eye or knocks out his tooth, it's going to free him. So that's the third approach. Says the Gemara, Uba plucked the Tanoi. And that's going to be the same as we find the following Machlik Tanoim, the Tanoim, the Brisa, which these Tanoim dispute this concept of how strong do we view Kenya Paris? Is it like Kenya Gov, like you own the body itself, or is it not? As we learned in the Brisa, the Tanya. Hamoicher Avde. Someone sells his non Jewish slave La'achar to another person. Upasak Imoi, and the seller makes a condition with the consumer, with the purchaser. Amanas on condition. Sheishem Shenu Shleishem Yoim. That for the next 30 days, this label will still work for me. In other words, I'm selling him to you. You own him from now. But on condition that I need him for the next 30 days, he's working for me. So Rameo, he says, Risha, the first owner, the seller, he is included in the halacha of one or two days, which is regarding 24 hours. What that means to say is if, let's say, the, with an, the, the, if a regular master of Ebed Kanani kills his slave, if it's within 24 hours, then he's liable for the death of his Ebed Kanani. If it takes more than Yemo Yemayim, a day or two, then he's going to be exempt. Now, if another person does it to Ebed Kanani, it doesn't make a difference. It could be even five days, he's still going to be liable if we know it was from that wound that he inflicted on that slave. So what Remey is saying is, if, let's say the first owner hits his slave within these 30 days and he doesn't die immediately. Rather, he survives a day or two, then the, that person, that first seller, that master, will not get killed. Because the Pasuk says in Shemesh Chaval, Ach, Im Yoyim O'Yimayim O'Goymer, unless if it's a day or two, then if it passes that time, and even if he dies from his wounds, the owner is going to be exempt. And the reason is, Neshu Tachtav, because he is underneath him, he's his slave. Now, the second guy, however, if he would hit this slave within the first 30 days, when he's still by the seller's house for the, those first 30 days, he would not be included in this exemption of Yoyim O'Yimayim, and he actually would get killed for having murdered that slave, even if he ended up dying from this illness only after three days. Now, explains the Gemara, because Ksavah, Kenyan Paris, that's because Remeir holds that the, the Kenyan of the Paris, meaning of the utility, that the first master still has, is Kikinya Guvdami. It's like it's like ownership of the rights of the body, and there it's not the second ones, although the second one bought him and he owns him, but that's for all halachic purposes. We view the first one's Kenyan of the utility, of using him for 30 days. It's like the Kenyan Guv. So therefore, he has the exemption, not the second guy. He says, no, Shani Yeshna Bedinya Mimayim. The second guy, the one who's buying him now, who bought him already, he has, even for these first 30 days, halacha of the day or two exemption. Because he's his money. He owns him. He bought him. Explains the Gemara. He holds that the acquisition of the utility that the first owner has doesn't mean he owns the body. I paid for him. I own him. Look at the deed. Now, the condition was you get to use him in 30 days. But I'm the master, the second guy says, and he has the exemption of your mind. Third opinion, Rebbeisim, he says, Both of them have the leniency of the day or two time limitation of being liable for the Ebed Kanani's death. He says, The first guy because he's working for him. The second guy because he owns him. 
As the Gemara explains, Mesafkale Kenya Paris. He's in doubt regarding this halachic status of Kenya Paris. Iki Kenya Gufdami. Is it like considered the ownership of the body? Thus an exemption for the first guy. Or is it not like the ownership of the body? Hence the one that really owns him is the second guy, and thus the second guy should be exempt. Now, since he's in doubt, when it comes to executing somebody, the halacha is we have to go lenient, and therefore we can't execute any of these masters because he's not sure if Kenyan Paris is going to or not. Fourth opinion, he says, No, actually, both do not have the leniency, and both will be executed even if he dies after two days. Why? The second guy, because he's not working for him now. The first guy, because he doesn't own him. As the Gemara explains, Amar Rabbi says, "My time, Rabbi Eliezer. What's the reason, Rabbi Eliezer? Seemingly, the previous opinion was correct, and okay, at least it's a Safik. Either way, or it is Kenyan Pei's King of Nami, or not? How could it be that both of them don't have the leniency?" So now he says, "Amar Kral," because the pasuk says, "Ki Kaspayhu." Meaning there, when it says, "Achim Yoyma Yemaim Yamoid," if let's say he survives for a day or two, Lo Yukam, then you don't take revenge. Lo Yukam Ki Kaspayhu, because he's his money. It says that he's exempt because he's his money. So explains Rava, Kaspoi means Kaspoi It's his money that's designated just for him. In other words, he has to have total ownership of this slave. Here, neither one has a total ownership. Yes, he's working for him, but he doesn't own him monetarily. Yes, he owns him monetarily, but he's not working for him. Because of that, you don't have the exemption of Kikhaspehu, and therefore, they're both going to actually be liable even after a day or two. Now, the Gemara says, So who, or from these four Tanoim, would be going the following halacha from Amemer. Amemer said that if a man and a woman, even if they both sell together, they both consent to the sale, that they sell from the wife's Amemer says they have not done anything. In other words, that neither one, if let's say one of them die, the remaining spouse can go ahead and remove it from the Lekuchis. Now, as Rashi points out importantly, that this seemingly should be compared to regular partners. Now, regular partners, of course, if they sell jointly, that it's going to be a sale. So why here, even if, let's say, we're going to explain that each one doesn't fully own the Eved Melug, the, the, the Nechsi Melug, but still, it should be accomplishing something. And that says Rashi, no, because by regular partnership, each one has a part, an ownership in the whole entire thing to take half of it, and therefore they're both allowed to sell together. But here, actually, all of it is owned by the woman, which is the body. And all of it is owned by him, which are the payers. And therefore, neither one distinctly owns the entirety. It's not a partnership that each one owns the whole thing. He has the whole thing of the payers. He shares the whole thing of the guf. And therefore, neither one of them can go ahead and have the rights to sell it. So who's that like? Explains the Gemara. Come on, who's that like? Rebbe Like Rebbe Yezzer, where we just described that neither one has a full ownership of the slave. One is the, has one aspect, the other one has a different aspect, similar to what what he was explaining in that context of two of a seller and a buyer, here also with a husband and a wife, is a similar concept where neither one has the entire ownership, and even if they both sell, they don't own it totally to be able to sell it, and therefore the other partner would be able to revoke that sale. Similarly, Mantan Lohadetarabon, who is the town of the following Braisa? If someone is a half-slave, half-a-free man, meaning to say, a simple case would be, let's say, two owners of the slave and one of them says okay you don't have to serve me anymore I'm freeing you but then it's still owned by the other owner which makes him half slave half free man or even a slave owned by two partners 
says the Brysa, So he does not go out free by the tips of his limbs which do not grow back, which those are the 24 tips which a, a slave goes free, as the Gemara in the first paragraph of Sechitz Kedushan of Chofei Manalf explains, which generally that's not just a Shein Va'ayin, the eye and the teeth, it's 24 Rashi Yavaram, that if that happens from the master that frees him, but if he's half Evan, half Ben Chayron, or if even only two different masters, then that will not free him. Who's the, who's the town of that Brysa? This is what they said in the Mabrava. Why? Didn't he explain in that Pasuk of the day or two dispensation of not being executed for killing the slave? It says it's only if if it's his money, which he explained means distinctly his, meaning he's the only owner. And therefore, we said in the situation where the seller and the buyer, where one is Kenya pays, one is going to go off, neither one is going to have that dispensation. Here also where it says, his slave, meaning if someone knocks out his, his slave's eye or tooth, that that reason has to be his slave, which is miyuchaloi. And this case where it's not miyuchaloi, either because he's half free or half owned by another person, it's not abdoi, and therefore it's not going to have that halacha for the slave to go free based on having one of his chavtad reyashavarim knocked off. Now the Gemara continues with the next Mishnah, again continuing on the theme of the Mishnah, of this parak about chayvul of the injuries that one man does to another person, which includes these five things of Nezik Tzai Peshevis Abayshas. Now our Mishnah here begins discussing uh, in specifics the halach of Abayshas, of humiliation. So the Mishnah says, Hatikei which either means say that either he banged him on his ear or he actually blew, like the Lushan of Takea, he blew into his ear. So Nisan Leisela, so he has to compensate him a Sela, which this is just the value of the embarrassment. That's besides the tsar or the nezik or the repo, if there is here, but we're just talking about regarding just the embarrassment from that incident. He says it's more than that. He says it's a mana, which we will explain the exact mana that we're discussing. But mana is a type of currency. Let's say Satara, let's say he slapped him on his cheek. So Nisla Messiah says he has to give him 200 zuz. Let's say he slapped him backhanded, which is more degrading. Let's say Let's say he pulled his ear, or or he pulled, he tugged at his ear, or or if he spit and the spit hit that guy, or or he pulled off his cloak from him, or he uncovered the woman's hair in the marketplace. So nice and in all these situations, he has to give that that victim four hundred zuz again for the busha that he inflicted upon them. As we continue to talk about the Tanakhama says, this is a general rule. It depends really according to the dignity of the victim. Which I will explain, is that a leniency? Is he trying to say that, although I just give certain amounts, but if the person is not so honorable, it's less? Or is it actually a stringency, that actually it's holding everyone to that higher standard? What does he mean, Hakal Fikhvaida? Amr Abakiva, but Rebekiva says, no, a filanim should be Yisrael. It's not relative. It says even the poor people amongst the Jewish people, we even view them as if they are nobility, but just that they're down on hard times, that they've lost their assets. Because because they are the sons of the office of Ram Yitzhav They are nobility. So even though right now they seem from the lowest class, we treat them as the higher. And therefore it's not we're going to treat them on that high level. Moreover, the Gemara brings from this opinion of Rabbi Kiva that there was an incident where an individual that uncovered a woman's hair in the marketplace. So it came in front of Rabbi Kiva. He, he held the reliable, as we just learned on 
where the Tanakama was saying, but moreover, and which is the Gemara is going to elaborate on this, that Rabbi Kiva held that everyone has to have that high standard, even as we'll see, she's a lowly woman that would uncover her hair for anything. Still, the 400 zuz that we said is the liability for uncovering a woman's hair, he said that this man has to pay her for that humiliation of uncovering her hair 400 zuz. So Amalai, so the man said to Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi, my master, tell Lizman, give me time, meaning so that I can get my resources together to be able to uh, fulfill the, the court uh, verdict. But Nassim Lezman, they gave him time. Now, actually, this guy had a plot. Shemara, he waited for the woman until he saw her, standing by the opening of her courtyard. Now, what he did was, he broke a jug in front of her. And in there, with the broken jug, which was spilling out of it, was the amount of oil that could be purchased for a coin called an Isser. So what the woman did was, Gil says, Rachel, she uncovered her hair, so she was, she was sticking her hands and gathering some of the oil and putting it on her hand to put on her hair, to oil her hair. So this guy got two witnesses to see what was happening. And then he came back to, in front of Rebbe Kiva. So Amalai said to Rebbe Kiva, my master, for this type of woman giving 400 zuz, this is like a lowly woman. She, she, for a little oil, she was taking off her hair. So I, I, I should pay a, a respectable, noble woman. Maybe. This woman is low. She takes over here just for a little oil. And therefore, it's not fitting that I should be paying her 400 zuz. So Malaysia, Rebekah said to him, You have said nothing. Because, I'll explain to you. If someone injures himself, although the person is not allowed to injure themselves, as Igmar will explain the reason, but Potter, they're exempt. We're not, we don't prosecute a person who injures themselves. But still other people that injure that person are liable. So to if someone chops down their trees. Although a person is not allowed to do that. And the reason for that is that the Pasuk in Devarim Chavah says, you're I'll destroy things that are productive. Yet Potter, he's exempt, we don't prosecute him. And other people that do chop down his tree are liable. As the Gemara said on Daphne Tchesim Abayz, depending on how old the tree is, how much the, the liability for that is. And therefore, what you tell me is, is, has no, has no uh, halachic premise because, yes, she might do that to herself, but that doesn't exempt you for what you did to her. And as Rebbe Kiva's opinion is, we hold everyone to that high standard, even the Anishab Yisrael, and therefore you have to pay the 400 zuz. Now the Gemara asks, regarding this opinion, with two opinions mentioned in the Mishnah, how much is the responsibility and the following question regarding this of someone that's if he blows in his ear. So Rabbi Yesi's opinion was that it's going to be a mana. So the question is, is it a, a Tyrian? Is it from Tyre, which is a, was a place in the, in, in, in the Talmudic times of, which is worth the, the coin in Tzur, was there was a mana that was worth 25 slum, which is 100 zuz. So when we say that there's a liability of a mana, was it a mana tsuri or a mana medinitsan, or was it what's called the provincial, that of the common mana, which is only actually an eighth, because the tsuri one was a more aristocratic type of currency. This was just an eighth of a mana tsuri, which is the, the seller of a, the medina, which was a half of those. As I explained this on Tafalam Zainam and Alf. So which mana is it? Is it the one that's the more expensive one, or the one that's only an eighth of that? So the Moses Toshima, come in here, I'll bring you a proof. Because who governed the talk of the There's actually such an incident where somebody either blew again or banged on his friend's ear. Also, the Kamei Rebbehuda Nasi came in front of Rebbehuda Nasiya, not to be confused with his grandfather Rebbehuda Nasi. Amalei said to him, 
there's me, and there's Yerusha Lili. Havli Manatsuri, give him a Manatsuri. So the Gemara, Shemamina, Manatsuri, it's not Shemamina. Obviously, we can infer from that incident, from that lucky process, that it's a Manatsuri, it's the more expensive one, which is obviously much more than the other opinion mentioned in the Mishnah, that of a seller. Now, so on that, we resolve that. But the Gemara just asked, once we introduced that, that, that halachic statement, my Ha'anohar, basically, what did the Behuda Nesiyah mean when he says, you know, there's me, and the Behuda clearly, okay, pay him the Manatsuri. What does that mean? As the Gemara explains, if it means that he told them, look, here there is me that saw you do this to him. And then there's a music clearly mentioned that Mishnah holds that the liability is a Manatsuri. Zil havli Manatsuri, so go give him a Manatsuri. If that's what Yehudah meant when he said that statement, and that the Gemara asks, remember the Eid Nasadain, is that to say that the witness who was Yehudah Nasiyah could then be the judge to then pronounce the verdict? But Vatanya in the Brisa that says Sanhedrin, the high court, Shiro Echach Hargas Hanefesh, that saw somebody that murdered someone else, says the, Mish- says the Brisa, Mektasin Nasu Eidim, Tavan says, okay, so from the Sanhedrin, some of them will be the witnesses, and the other ones will be the judges, and then the witnesses will testify in front of the judges, and they'll prosecute him. Rabbi Kiva, I mean, says, no, they were all witnesses, they all saw what happened. And a witness cannot become a judge. So says the Gemara, Rabbi Kiva clearly says that a witness cannot become a judge, even if he doesn't want to be a witness, but the fact that he witnessed it automatically makes him into a witness, and he cannot become a judge. But but even Reb Tarfin, uh, where did we find that he said that even though they all saw some could be judges, was because some of them are going to be witnesses, and some of them will be judges. But even he didn't say that the witnesses themselves who can testify and then be the judges. So how do we understand Reb Tarfin when he's saying there is me and then Reb clearly that I saw, but then how could he have the one to be the judge of requiring him to go ahead and pay that money? So Yimar explains that no, actually Reb Tarfin holds Eid Nasadayim. Kitanya he, but when we learned that Brisa of Reb Tarfin, was Kigen Shiro Balayla, where they saw this guy murder someone else at nighttime. The Loyla Mevedinan, where they cannot be judges at nighttime. You can't prosecute somebody in a court of law at nighttime. Now, tomorrow, when they're going to then you know, have the court case, then they cannot judge based on what they saw because it has to be based on testimony. Now, the testimony then has to be said then, because it didn't happen right then. So therefore, you have to make some of them witnesses. Now, if there's only three people, so then you have to put aside other people, and then they could testify in front, two of them could testify in front of the other witnesses. But that's if it's by nighttime. But if they saw the murder by day, then there's no greater, quote, witnesses or testimony than the judges seeing it themselves, and therefore, Kondrib Tarfin, you can go ahead and prosecute, the judges could go ahead and prosecute based on what they saw. And Rebbe Dinesiyah held the Grib Tarfin where, yes, the aide, meaning the judge could be the aide if it's right now. The judge sees this, okay, I know, I see, I don't need witnesses to say anything, I am the witness, I am the judge. It's only when the judges see at nighttime, then it's only, let's say, 12 hours later that then they can go ahead and have the court case. Now there has to be testimony, there has to be some witnessing at the time. Now the judge didn't just witness it, there would have to be some type of a testimony. Now in that case, you cannot then testify and then be the judge. It's only if the judge is witnessing, and that was the case of Rudin the Sea, where he saw him and he's saying, okay, go ahead and pay him, because the judge could be the witness. But not that when you are a witness and then you have to testify, then you can't go ahead and become a judge. 
So therefore, Rabbi Nasi was going like Rabbi Tarfin. All the Ibaisim, all you want to say is actually was, his statement was totally different. Not saying, ha, no, that I saw and therefore you're guilty and you have to go ahead and pay. Rather, this is what he was telling to that person. When he said, there's me and there's me, meaning there's me that holds a Gabriel. The Amma that he says, that says the liability is a Monatsuri. And there are witnesses that testified in you, Go ahead and give Monatsuri. Meaning, we could even say it like a Rebekiva, like meaning, even those, even if he didn't. Even if he's not the aid, he didn't see it even. That's not what he was saying. He was saying that I hold a Gbisa Gluli and there's witnesses testifying regarding you and therefore you go ahead and pay him the Manatsuri. Now once we introduce this Brisa as a question on what Rebbe was saying, so one of the opinions was Rebbe Kiva, which he said clearly no. Even if they're not even testifying, the fact that they witnessed it, they cannot become a judge. Is that really true? Rebbe holds that a witness cannot become a judge? But Vatanya learned the Brahsa, it seems to contradict this from Rikiva's own statement. So Pasig in Shamaista says, Vihika Ishasri Ayu, if a man will hit his friend, Beevan or Egrif with a with a rock or with his fist, and then it talks about that he becomes ill, so then it talks about the liabilities that he has for injuring his friend. So Shimana Timni Aimer, Shimon from Timni says, Well, there's a comparison here obviously between the weapon that was used to injure the person, which is let's say a rock, with a person's fist. What does that teach us? Just like a person's fist is unique. That it can be given over to the assembly, meaning to the courts. And to witnesses, in other words, you can bring a person into court to evaluate, is this fist fit to have made such an injury, or is it not? And then he doesn't have to pay for the injury, because although that person obviously became ill and was wounded from it, it's because of his illness, his vulnerability, his susceptibility, and that's why he got injured, but not because the assailant, actually had inflicted something like that. And therefore, we could evaluate, is this fist could have made such a damage? So Afkal, that teaches also everything, including rocks or whatever the weapon is, that then the liability is only going to be if it could be given over to the courts and to the witnesses. Prat, that excludes, so let's say the witnesses saw it, but then it was lost, and they weren't able to bring it in as evidence for the court to evaluate, then even though the witnesses saw it, then the, then the assailant is going to be exempt because we need to have an umdina, an evaluation of assessment of the court to see if this is something that really should have made such an injury to make him liable or not. Now on that Amli Rebbe Kiva, Rebbe Kiva said to Shimon Timni, says, although that, the, he says, even if you'll bring the rock into court, but did he hit him? Did he injure him in front of the courts? That the court should know how much he hit him? In other words, the amount and the calculation of the of the blows that he did to him to evaluate, is it worthy of making an injury? Because even a rock or a fist, well, how many times did he hit him? Vamahiko, do they know on which one of his limbs that he hit him? In other words, did he hit him on his calves? Or by the cartilage, which is opposite the heart, which is much more susceptible to get an injury over there? Moreover, says Rebekiva. Let's say somebody throws his friend off the top of a roof or the top of a building and the guy dies. Do the courts have to go to that tower? In other words, does the, does the, does the Torah require the courts to leave the, the, the lishkas of the, of the Azara and to go see what happened there? Do we have to bring the tower to the courts? He's, old, he's illustrating one point over here. Moreover, 
Let's say the tower actually collapses before the courts get a chance to come there and see what it looks like. Do you think the Torah requires that that then they have to go ahead and rebuild it to show the courts how high it was? Ella rather explains Rebbe Kiva, obviously the Torah relies on the witnesses. That since the witnesses saw, we rely on the testimony to tell us that this is what happened, that we don't have to be what's called Master Le'eda, that the assembly, that the courts should have to see it. It's enough if it was Le'eda, if the witnesses saw it. And rather we make the following comparison. Ma'egrib, just like a fist, miyuchachu masu le'edim, is distinct that it's given over that the witnesses could evaluate the fist. Avkoshu masu le'edim, anything that's given over to the witnesses to evaluate it, that's enough. It doesn't have to be also that the courts have to see it. They believe the testimony of the witnesses. Now, prat, that excludes l'kishyatza evin metachas yodishol maka, when it gets lost from the assailant. In other words, it gets lost before the witnesses even get a chance to see it. Then part Then he's going to be examined because then even the witnesses don't know how to evaluate if this was an injury that was equal to what was from the weapon and therefore it was the assailant and not the victim that caused that injury. So again, that's Machlech between Shimon and Timni and Rebekiva regarding, yes, there has to be some form of evaluation, but is it, just, is it enough for the witnesses or does the court also have to see it? But one thing the Gemara says, one thing that we learned in this price was that Amalir um, Bikiva Bikiva said this from Natimni, one of the phrases he told him was, what? Was the guy, did the guy hit the victim in front of the court that they know how many times he hit him? How does it help bring in the weapon? The rock. Maybe he hit him 10 times. That's the difference. I hit him 20 times, even with the same type of a weapon. No, that was one of the words he said. So therefore, obviously, that it won't help to bring in the courts. We need the witnesses who saw that's what happened. And that's where, it's the, it's, that's where the requirement is, not for the courts. But the inference of his statement is, but had the assailant injured the victim in front of the courts, it sounds like that then the witnesses, meaning the judges, would become the judges. They would be able to prosecute him based on what they saw. That's what it sounds like. But now that contradicts what Rebekah said before, which was that ain't aid Nasadayin. So I think my answer is Ledvav the Reb Shimon HaTimni comment. It was going according to the opinion of Reb Shimon HaTimni, but Valeli severely. He doesn't hold to that. Right, Reb Kiva holds that it wouldn't even help, even if it was in front of the courts, because they wouldn't be able to prosecute based on their own witnessing anyway, because they, the witnesses then cannot become judges. But it was saying, even according to Shimon HaTimni, who if you'll hold Eid Nasa dying, but even, what, but even that, is that what happened? Was it in front of the courts that they could know how many times? It wasn't, so what does it help to bring in the weapon because they don't know the, the, the quality of that injury. Forget about the quantity. And therefore, he disagreed, doesn't need Mesur La'eda, only needs Mesur La'eda. But again, it's not a contradiction, because yes, he himself would hold that it wouldn't help, because in aid Nasadayim. Now, relating to this previous discussion of Shemina Timni and Yubikiva, the Gemara says, Tanabon Lunna Brisa, Shur Tam Shehemis. A shartam, which is an ox that gores in its first few times before it becomes a sharamud on its third time, which a liability is only chatzin nezik and mikufai, which is the, the, the victim could only collect half the damages and only from the body of the ox. If let's say the ox is not worth that amount, he can't collect from the bank account of the owner of that ox. So a shartam that kills a person, and then vihizik, and then he causes some type of a monetary damage. So the halacha says the price is done in din nefashis. So we first have the court case about the capital punishment regarding the, the, the death of that person which would then, we would execute the ox for killing a person. And the ain't done nicely in the moment we do not have a court case regarding the, the, the damages that he caused, the monetary court case. And the reason being is because since it's a sure time 
and the collectability is only what's called megufer from the body of the ox, but anyways, if we have to first evaluate if he's going to get stoned. Let's have the Din Nefashah's case first, because if he's getting stoned, so anyways, the ox is not going to be around to be collected for, because it becomes Asaba no, he, he's then he's stoned and he, and he dies. So therefore, we, we have the court case of the, of, the, of the death penalty and not that of the monetary court case. Now that's if it's a Shartam. But a muid shame is vehizik, but a shurham muid, where then the owner of, we had already gored a few times, the owner has to pay nezik shalom and what's called menhaliyah, even if the ox is not worth anything, he has to pay from his pockets. So if that shurham muid killed a person and then vehizik, it caused monetary damage. So dun noisi dinim nominus, although that's what happened second, first we have the court case on the monetary aspect, and then mechaizim and dun noisi dinim and then they go ahead and they have a court case regarding the. The, the liability of the ox being stoned. Now, although it's going to be stoned, and you can't collect from the ox, but that's okay, because it's Sharamuid, so then we'll collect for the court case of the money that we had first from his bank account, from his assets. Now, that's what the halacha is supposed to be. But says the Bryce, but let's say they first had the court case regarding the death of the person, then then we do not go back and then have the court case regarding the monetary payment of the, of the damages, the monetary damages that the ox of the Sharmu had done. Which the Gemara asks, why? What's the difference if they first had the court case regarding the Nefashis? Let them go ahead and, okay, so you had the, we, we, we had the court case, the witnesses testified that this ox, which was Sharmu, killed the person, so we have to stone the ox, but wait, before we do, Let's have the court case regarding the din and because it also caused some type of monetary damages. And even though we're going to stone the ox, and you can't collect from the ox, it's okay because Sharmud, Sharmud, you collect from his bank account. So why wouldn't we have the court case of the din and even though we did the din and first? So Omar Rabbi, Rabbi says, I encountered the Rabbanan from the yeshiva that they were sitting and they said, Homani, who's the town of this Brisa? Rib Shimonat Timonahi. So Rib Shimonat Timonahi, we just quoted before. Dhamman that he says, Ma egrif, he says, just like a fist, when a person injures another person. It's meyuchidat's distinction, edim, and that's the halachi requirement, that it has to be that the witnesses could evaluate it, and that the assembly, the courts could evaluate it. It has to be brought into court to be evaluated. Could this have caused this type of injury? So as the Gemara continues, the Tavit Tzad Alvim and Alv Amos, so says Rabbah that the, the Rabbanan, the Yeshiva students were saying, obviously you see, Be'inan umdina debeidina that you need to have to assess something in the court. Now, moreover, it's even regarding regular damages, because actually that Pasuk is by injuries, not by death. Because the Pasuk there says, if he hits his friend, with a rock or with his fist, and it says, it says he doesn't die, he falls into bed, he becomes ill, so you have to pay him. So here also, said the Yeshiva students, so that you have to evaluate the ox, if it was fit to cause these type of injuries. Yes, it killed the person, it, 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 it caused damage, we have to first evaluate it. Was it, was it the, 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 the weakness in the, what, the, the, the victim, or was it in the assailant, was it in the ox? Now, on that is what they said, but once you already had the court case, and it was concluded that we have to kill the ox, we can't now hold up and wait for the execution of the ox 
to first have the court case to evaluate the ox, because it has to be around, because you have to evaluate it to see ca- ha- could it have caused a type of a damage. We can't delay that, because there's a law of inudin, you're not allowed to hold up a judgment. If someone has to be executed, in this case the ox, you can't hold up the court case. And that's as the, as the Rishonim explained, the same halachic process we have with executing a person, we have with an ox, and then we can't hold it up. So therefore, you, sh- you should have really done Din the Mamnes first, because then you would have been able to collect, even though we're going to prosecute from the owner. But once we really did the Din and the we can't hold it up to have a whole court case now, and seeing if we're going to make the owner liable with Din the Mamnes, because that has to hold up the ox from being killed, because we have to be omitted to see could ever cause that type of a damage. Which again, like Rib Shemina Timni. And that says, Rav, the and I told them, I feel a Tim Kiva. No, you could even say the town of his brothers, like Rebbe Kiva, who holds that you don't need an Omdana. But Hachmaiskin, what are we talking about over here? Kagun Shabarach, where the owner of the ox fled, and the halacha is that you cannot create a liability for someone when he's not around. So since he fled, that's why you can't go ahead and have the Dinah Mamans anymore. You can't hold him liable to, to, to prosecute him when he's not around, when he's an absentee. And that's why you can't have the Dinah Mamans anymore. On that, the Gemara asks, if you're talking about that he fled, then even if it wasn't like the Bryce has said, that they had first done the, ca- the, the capital punishment case first, what does that have to do with that? Even if they didn't do that, how can you go ahead and prosecute someone monetarily if the owner's not there? So why is the Bryce saying, oh, if they did the Nefash first, now you don't do Dinah Mamanis, and you're explaining the reason is, oh, the reason why you're not doing the Mamanis is because he fled. If he fled, that has nothing to do with the Nefashas. Even, even if they didn't do that, you can't prosecute him. So what does that have to do with the Nefashas? So that thing where he explains, it's not just that he fled. And it's not just that, okay, he's not here so we can't prosecute him. It's talking about actually the Kabul Sahadi. No, actually he was around in the court case, and he received the testimony regarding the gorings of his ox, and then Ubarach, and then he fled. Now, the halachic relevance of that, what the Gemara is saying is, that therefore, the actual primary point that Rav is explaining is, that we have nothing to collect from, because he left over no assets, and he fled. That's the halachic significance. Therefore, there's no point in having uh, a court case in the Nehmanus, because there's, there's, there's nowhere to collect from. Now, so on that, the Gemara asks, well then, saif saif, well then, at the end of the day, then even if they didn't have din nefashas, mehechem ishtalem. So then, we are going to collect from Since he ran away, again, we're back to the question. So it's not because you can't prosecute him, because you're already prosecuting him. You're saying that he, he got the testimony, he was by the court case, and then he fled. So, okay, so then the reason what the problem is, but there's nowhere to collect from. So if nowhere to collect from, then again, we're back to the question, why say the Bryce is saying, because if you did din nefashas, then you can't do din nefashas, but if it's because he fled, then it has nothing to do with that. Then you wouldn't be able to collect even if he didn't do the nefashas. So that the Gemara says, no, not true. Because actually, Meridia, if we hadn't done the Dini nefashas case first, and it was just Dini Mamanis, and he heard testimony and he fled, since the ox is still here, we would delay having the court case on the ox to prosecute it, to execute it, and we would use the ox to rent it out so people could use it to plow with, and that income would go and be used to, to reimburse the victim that of the monetary damage. Then, once they finish paying up that debt, then they would go ahead and have the Dina Fosher's case of the ox. But now the problem is, and that's what the Halacha the Bryce was saying, which Rabbi saying could even be like Rabbi Kiva, since they already had judged him that the ox has to be executed, that applies Halacha of Inudin, you can't delay the judgment 
to have the ox first go ahead and plow for a few months to pay it up. No, since it's, it's already has been, the verdict has been passed, it has to be executed, you have to do that and it's already too late, now you can't be done, Dean the Fashas. Now, the Gemara asked, however, but if that's the case, as we just described, that you could do ridya, you could do plowing, well then Tom, then how do you understand the halacha, the ratio? Up until now we're discussing the, the last half of the Bryce, which we're told Mashar Amut. But a sure Tom, the halacha, we said, is the only done din nefashis and not din nefamnes. Because what's the point of din being done din nefamnes? If you're going to say that the ox has to be executed, and the only way you could collect by sure Tom is from the body of the ox itself, once it's going to be stoned, there's nothing to collect from. So what's the point of having din nefamnes? And that thing asked, why? Let's first have the monetary case first. And then, yes, you'll collect from the axe itself because you'll use it for plowing. And then we'll judge it for capital punishment. And then we'll execute the axe. So why did the Brites say that, okay, there's no point in the moment because nowhere to collect from? Not true. You cannot collect from the owner's bank account, but you can collect from the axe itself. How so? We have to execute it. Yes, but don't execute it yet. First have the ridge and then execute it. So that number of Murray buried of Khan, he says, and so says, what that tells us is that Ridya Aliyah the Marhu, that actually plowing is considered minhaliyah from the owner's assets and not actually considered the body, the gmagufai of the ox. Rather, it's considered like his other nechasim. And as we said, Tom could only collect megufai, not minhaliyah, and therefore it's not a valid option by sure Tom because it's not considered megufai. So though it's, you can use the ox for plowing, that's not considered part of the ox per se, and therefore that's not an option for short time, and therefore it's always going to be no point to go ahead and denim this, because if it's going to be executed anyway, there's nowhere to collect from, because Ridya is not considered Megufoy, it's considered Menaliyah. So therefore, that's, that explains the Bryce away by short time, is always you do denifashas and no denim this, because you can't collect from the body, and Ridya is not an option to do that first before the denifashas, because that's not considered Megufoy, and by, but by Sharmui, where you could collect from the bank account, so even though you're going to execute the ox, you first do din nefamnis, so that you can collect from him, and then even though you execute it, it's not a problem, and then you do the din nefashis. But again, if you do din nefashis first, then you can't do din nefamnis second, as we explained, two interpretations, either like the Rabban de Beirav, because it's going like a Bishim timni and therefore since you already have to execute the ox, you can't go have a court case regarding the din nefamnis aspect, because you need the ox there to be oimit, to evaluate, had he, was he able to really, was it the ox that caused the damage, or was it the victim? Whereas Rava said that no, it could even be going like Rabbi Kiva, and it's talking about where he received the testimony, and then he fled. So therefore, in such a case, since he fled, then there's nothing to go ahead and to collect from. Where then the Gemara says, and then what does it have to do with Din Nefashis? Even not Din Nefashis, we know where to collect from. It's not true. If you didn't do Din Nefashis, then you'd be able to collect from Ridya, because since the Shar Amuid in contrast to Shar Tam, that you could collect from Aliyah, so although he left no assets, the asset would be the ox itself to use it for plowing. But since if he already did Din Nefashis already, again, then Rabbi Kiva agrees to the principle that there's a loch of Inudin, now you can't go ahead and delay it now to use Harisha to go ahead and use it as a Tashlum, Min Aliyah, for the Shar Hamud.